At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So on this show, we're going to continue a little bit of this electrification discussion and, and the heat pump discussion. And I got my man Peter Wolf with me from Armstrong Fluid Technologies, and he's going to give his take on why he thinks this push for electrification is happening as well and, and give some facts about what's happening over in Europe. Okay, so we're going to get into this right now, guys. Stay tuned, pay attention. This is the future of the industry. So this is one that you're just going to want to just kind of pay attention, keep it top of mind for your installs, your change outs, uh, brand new construction, so on and so forth. This is the HVAC Not All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group. And um, this message was on the last podcast in this segment. And I'm going to say it again. Keep your hoses maintained. Keep your gauges maintained. Keep the seals clean. Keep them new. If they're squished down and compressed, get them changed out. If they're worn, get them changed out. The last thing you want is refrigerant uh, pissing out. You don't want to lose nitrogen in a pressure test. There's many, many reasons why you want to keep your your gauges and your hose up to par when it comes to maintenance. And every master group has a big-ass yellow jacket wall with a ton of parts on it, seals, uh, parts to, to replace on your gauges, so on and so forth. So check that wall out and maintain your gauges and hoses. Now, before we get into this one, you hear the term inverter ready or inverter style, like inverter style heat pump, inverter style AC. Now, I just want to touch on that real quick, just just some a little bit of background. Now, I'm not an electronics wizard by any means, but if you do some digging, like if, if you just want to be like a complete nerd in the HVAC and refrigeration industry, the info is there if, if you look in the right spots and you want to find it. So, I mean, we have rectifiers, bridge rectifiers, and we have inverters. All right. Now, if if we're talking about, let's say we're talking about an inverter ready heat pump, basically a compressor that that can ramp up and down to the, the, the speed of the compressor can match the load of the home type thing, right? Now, the way that, that that happens is we have to take the incoming AC, AC power, okay? And we have to use a bridge rectifier as an electronic device, obviously, and, and change that to DC power, right? And then the inverter comes in. Like, I don't know if you, some of you guys might have inverters in your van where it takes the DC power that's generated by the vehicle and turns it into AC power. So you can plug in like laptops or your battery chargers or whatever, whatever you're using. So after the bridge rectifier changes that AC to DC, basically changing the sine wave, right? There's an inverter that takes that DC and allows it to change the frequency of that AC power, the output AC power that's going to that motor. You change the frequency like the Hertz and Hertz, which is like 60 Hertz in North America, you change that frequency and you, you get the frequency lower, you can change the speed of the motor. So 
you'd have to do some researching. So basically all, all we're doing here is, is we're taking for most simplistic terms, we're taking AC power, we're rectifying it to DC. We're taking that DC power and we're inverting, we're using an inverter and we're changing that output frequency to the compressor to, to match the load, to change the speed, to match the load. So I just wanted to throw that in there as a quick bit of education, but you want to learn more about it. There's a rabbit hole you can go down. <laughs> you can take that as far as you want to go. And some of it will just kind of like blow your mind apart and, and it'll give you a headache. But if you read it in small increments and you keep coming back every few days and just read a little bit more, eventually you start to retain and, and um, you start to understand it a bit better. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. And what we're going to talk about is heat pumps. We're going to talk about electrification of heat pumps, what's happening over in Europe, mm -hmm. uh, as you were just telling me what's happening in New York City, and what is the driving force behind all of this in general. Uh, this, this is a conversation we've had, I would say, three to four times over the last few months because it, it just keeps popping its head. Out of, the, out of the sand. It's just like, here I am, electrification, heat pumps, here we go. And mm. the, the more I, I was just scrolling actually through my one of my feeds on one of my platforms, mm -hmm. and I, one of the guys was talking about the 20 sear uh, Bosch heat pump and mm -hmm. how in the, the shoulder seasons, it keeps his house super comfortable because in the shoulder seasons we have uh, like for spring, we got, it's raining here right now and mm. it actually feels kind of muggy in the house. Mm. But if you got like this 20 sear modulating heat pump, you, you could modulate that thing down, down really low just to do some dehumidification without dropping the temperature of the home. Uh, mm. There's just so many things these days with inverter technology and, and heat pumps that we could do with the comfort of a home. What, what do you think about that? First off. Well, yes, they're they're incredibly capable today, uh, and they're getting more capable as as time goes on. Um, but getting back to your issue, the, the question about electrification, yes, uh, the, another word for electrification is the decarbonization of um, of heating and cooling systems, i.e., the burning of fossil fuels. The the key the key driver started off as being the re the reduction in, in the in the burning of oil and gas in order to reduce the amount of CO two emissions and to prevent uh, global warming. That's been compounded in certain geographies by the cost of gas. Uh, like I was saying before we pressed the record button, the cost of gas in Europe, the wholesale price, and, and it has gone up by hundreds of percent uh, as a result of a reduction in um, supply in the North Sea of, uh, between uh, Britain and, and Europe and from other sources. And of course, uh, as, and it's gone up even further lately with the invasion of Ukraine, because uh, the, the Germans realise that they can't maintain their current, uh, what is it, 45% of their gas uh, supplies uh, come from Russia. And, uh, and they've decided not to go ahead with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is designed to 
uh, pipe or, or gas directly from Russia into into Germany, bypassing the uh, the Baltic, uh, the, bypassing um, Ukraine, which uh, otherwise would have been, which previously had received uh, fees from Russia for allowing the gas to pass through their area. Now it means that Russia has, if with a direct pipeline into Germany, can can, uh, can have a stranglehold over their gas supplies into the Ukraine. But I, I think we're getting off into geopolitics here rather than into, into, into heat <laughs> yeah. pumps. Okay, so Peter's talking about what's going on in Europe. I, I just want to talk about what's happening here in Canada, just, just to bust in here quickly. Now, in Canada in 2019, and similar things are probably happening where you live you might not be aware of it. Maybe you are, and, and I'd love to hear about it. And this is these aren't political statements I'm making, and we're not going to get into political debates here. I'm just going to give you the facts of what's happening and why that this push for electrification and heat pumps is on. So in 2019 in Canada, there was a federal uh, carbon tax implemented. Now, here in Ontario, as of 2022, Jan 1, 2022, there's two types of taxes implemented. So the first one is a regulatory pricing on fossil fuels like natural gas. And then there's output-based pricing. So based on the, the industry you're in and the output of greenhouse gases, there's going to be more of a tax. So that is actually pushing you to use, these taxes are pushing you to use less fossil fuels and output less greenhouse gases. So basically giving people incentive to use less and output less. Like I said, we're not here to debate politics. I'm just giving you the facts. And this is one of the things they're doing to get people to switch to electrification. The other thing we have to think about here is, is the power being, is the power that's being generated to, to power these potential heat pumps. Is that clean power, right? Is it clean, sustainable power? Because if it's not, then what's the point? These are just some things that we need to think about. So luckily here where, where I live, um, we, have, we have Niagara Falls. And Niagara Falls generates a ton of clean power for um, the Golden Horseshoe, as they call it, or Southern Ontario. So that is a, a way to, to access a, a massive moving flow of water to generate some power. So in my mind, that would be, that would be a clean generation of power instead of like a, a coal sort of burning plant, right? So um, let's get to some more of Peter and, and what's going on in North America here. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, sorry, Peter, I'm glad you're like the, the way you were rhyming mm. it off. I don't follow that stuff um, mm. like you. So I'm, I'm glad you sort of gave us an explanation there of, of why mm. the, the prices in Europe are rising. But sorry, go on with your thought. No, no. Uh, so, uh, but on both sides of the Atlantic, it is uh, electrification. It is the decarbonization. They, they remove basically not burning natural gas to produce CO two and water. Instead, uh, the the plan is to use renewable supports, supplies of electricity, and then use those electricity to drive heat pumps. And the great thing about heat pumps are is that they're fantastically efficient. The amount of uh, cooling and heating you can get out of them per per kilowatt of input power is uh, is really very good and, and is, is only going to get better. Uh, at the moment, though, the, the capital cost of a heat pump is more than a regular gas boiler. But the payback period is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And and in the UK and in the UK and other countries with high gas prices, that uh, that that delta is slipping away precipitously. 
So uh, here in North America, where gas is in copious uh, supply from uh, shale gas and from uh, fracking sources, uh, it's gonna, it, the drive to electrification is going to be driven by um, regulation, such as, as I mentioned, uh, such as in New York with the uh, local law 97, which has uh, been implemented, which has been passed in New York City. And that demands that uh, by 2030, um, the, that's only eight years away, CO2 emissions by buildings above 25,000 square feet, CO2 emissions either direct by burning gas or indirect by using electricity produced by um, fossil fuels has to reduce, be reduced by 40%. Wow, and then, that's, that's a big number. That's a huge number. And in such a short, short time span as well. Um, plus, and then that, that's stage one. Stage two is it's an 80% reduction by 2050. Which is a even which is a really tough target, a hugely tough target. But that's what, that's the law in New York City, and as a result, um, uh, where me my me personally is now spending a lot more time talking to um, building owners and operators uh, in New York City. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone to them constantly because they're looking for every every which way they can in order to reduce their um, uh, reduce their energy consumption and by by dint their uh, CO two emissions as well. And so it, mostly it, it's currently, and there's a lot of common, a lot of the technology that we're talking about applies equally to chillers as they do to heat pumps. A heat pump is basically a small, very, very small chiller. It's got a compressor, it's got an expansion valve, it's got heating and cooling coils, and, um, and it's got refrigerant being pumped around it. And all what it's doing is just transferring heat uh, from, a, from a source to a sink. Quick break here, guys. So TrueTech Tools is having their 15-year anniversary, and they're having some giveaways. To enter, all you got to do is go to the link I'm going to leave you in the podcast notes. Do your thing in that link, and you're entered up to to win some prizes. The other thing we're going to do here is tell you about Code Know-It-All, which some of you or most of you probably know about. Code Know-It-All will save you 8% on your purchase at TrueTech Tools on most items in the store. If it doesn't work, when you punch it in, it means that that product is not included in that code. The other code we're going to talk about here is for emotorsdirect.ca in Canada here. If you want to order your motors online directly to your job site, your shop, wherever, you can do so and you can use code HVACKNOWITALL. That will save you 8% on your order at emotorsdirect.ca. Rapid locking system, what can I say? They are an up and coming, trending, whatever whatever term you want to use, uh, way to fit pipe in the industry. And brazing is still a great joint. Yes, no one's taking anything away from brazing. But the RLS system gives you more efficiency. It lets you braze in places where you can't, if you need fire permits and fire watches and so on and so forth, right? So Look at RLS as an option outside of brazing. So JB Warranties guys talked about them on the podcast for a few months now. They offer a warranty program outside of OEM warranties. Now what that means is if the warranty is up on the piece of equipment you're working on for the compressor, the heat exchanger, whatever, and the customer wants extended warranty, you can talk to JB Warranties, get on their program and offer your customer extended warranty programs. 14-day turnaround time on claims, and also reimbursement for techs in the field working up to $300 an hour. So pretty cool stuff. The other one we're going to end off here with Company Cam is a platform, a way to get organized with images, videos, notes, 
and it all lands GPS timestamped in the same job file. Anybody that has access to the company cam account can go and click and see all the images, pictures, real time addresses. It's all right there. There's no searching for emails and phones, text messages, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Anyway, guys, let's get back to the conversation. Thinking into one, maybe a sidetrack, I, uh, not a sidetrack, but a particular feature is that most uh, building systems seem to operate, uh, to operate at fixed uh, operating temperatures. For example, you mentioned uh, before the recording that um, a typical heat pump circuit in a condo, like the one I'm living here in, uh, in Toronto, has got a cooling tower uh, to reject the heat. It's got a boiler to inject the heat and then a heat pump in every condo, such as the one I'm sat in here. And it's designed to run at a fixed, so the cooling tower circuit going in around the building operates on a fixed temperature coming into the building and coming back. And it doesn't really take advantage of the fact that maybe on a cooler day, the cooling tower could produce even cooler water coming into the, uh, the heat pump circuit and thus mean allow the heat pumps in, the, in each room, in each uh, condo, to operate more efficiently because it's got less lift to do. And thus, it doesn't have to uh, cool the water as much because the, the water coming back from, from the cooling tower is, is colder than it normally is. Now, that is a great way of improving the efficiency of chillers and of heat pump circuits. And that's a, that's a control system that we, um, we, we market in, we market the Armstrong markets. There are some different styles of heat pumps that we got. Well, the three main types are the air source heat pump, which is normally used for domestic applications. And it's the air source that's being used in many single family homes to replace uh, the gas boiler. The, 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 the air is warmer than the, the temperature in the, um, in the refrigerant uh, to, and, the, and the heat pump increases the amount of heat so that uh, it can then, uh, with a fan, suitable fan across it, can then blow hot air into, into the, the single family home to keep it warm. So the, the air source heat pump is uh, growing, is more expensive than a gas boiler, but it costs less, uh, certainly if you're paying high gas prices uh, on the other side of the pond. So the air source heat pump is becoming very popular for new build applications as well as retrofits in single family homes. Then we have the classic water source heat pump, like, like we mentioned earlier, where you have uh, the heat pump installed in each uh, apartment of a condominium or an apartment block. And it comprises, it's normally a vertical unit with the pulling air at the top and blowing conditioned air, pull it, sorry, pulling air at the bottom, pushing conditioned air out the, the the, the top and it's got a compressor expansion valve coils and it's connected to um, a water distribution circuit around the building which in the summer is, is, is pumping to cooling towers and they reject the heat that the, that the heat pumps are pulling out of the rooms they reject the heat to atmosphere or in the winter they the cooling towers are locked off and instead uh, some boilers and boiler pumps inject warm water into the the uh, hydronic system to give an extra boost of temperature to the heat pumps to allow the rooms to remain it, rooms in the apartment to remain at the right temperature at the deepest depths of winter. That's your classic condominium style or apartment block or office block uh, heat pump circuit. And maybe I mentioned this already, but uh, some it's possible to make them even more efficient by controlling the cooling towers in a smarter way. Generally, they're used at a fixed liquid temperatures going into the tower warm and coming off the tower cooler. Normally, it's a fixed temperature in and a fixed delta T uh, lower out. 
But if the temperature is not that hot, if it, and, and that temperature is normally set for a very hot day, but if the temperature is a little bit cooler, you still need uh, cooling into the building. Why not use a cooler temperature going into the heat pumps? Because then the compressor and the heat pump hasn't got as much work to do. And you can get just as good cooling with less electricity being put in without actually using any more, uh, any more electricity or more power across the cooling towers just by tweaking the temperatures. And uh, smart control systems can do that. And um, that's, that's an area of uh, uh, opportunity for all, all condo owners and operators and developers. So there's that piece on it. Heat pumps themselves uh, use a conventional um, refrigerants. And maybe it's a moment to talk about maybe some alternative refrigerants that are being, uh, one in particular that's being looked at by several manufacturers, which is uh, carbon dioxide which uh, used to be used historically, it's uh, known as R744 to, to the experts, is that it's, uh, it's, got a, it's got a very low boiling point. Uh, so it allows for good heating down to a temperature of minus 22 degrees centigrade. This CO2 thing as a refrigerant intrigued me. So I did a little bit of digging online, Not, nothing too crazy, but I wanted to jump in here and tell you what I found. So as I was sort of digging, couple articles came up but it led me back to a Japanese manufacturer called Meakawa. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Now they, they had a bunch of products, heat pumps charged with CO2, carbon dioxide. Now one of their products was called a Unimo. Now you heard earlier in the podcast Peter referring to a heat pump like a small chiller. Now he's from the hydronic side so you have to get into his brain to find out why he said that. Now most of us that are that are hearing that are going hmm like a small chiller but yes and i'm going to tell you what i found here online with these heat pumps but most of us are used to air blowing by a coil and cooling down a home heating up a home so on and so forth but when he said it's like a small chiller just listen up to hear what i found so this unimo product it's like air to water or or water to water different they have different styles of them but um it can be a chiller like in the summer it can be a chiller and a hot water domestic heater all at one time. It's, it's pretty crazy. So it showed a little video in an animation, and it showed a, uh, the, the heat pump sitting outside, and then it showed a, uh, a chilled water loop going into the building to, to cool, like, I don't know, going to some hydronic coils or whatever, and that we, we'd blow air through it with an air handler type thing to cool down the building. Then on the other side, it was showing it going to, like, a domestic hot water tank with the, the hot water circulating. Then in the winter time, if you don't need the cooling, it can still do your domestic hot water, but it can also do, uh, you can also do heating and, and run hot water to hydronic coils. All right. Now, according to the website, it can get the water up to 194 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, which is pretty cool. And this is a heat pump CO2 charged. And apparently they've been manufacturing and selling these in North America for, for many years now. I, I think maybe about 10 years or something like that. And these were larger commercial size ones. So I haven't, I didn't really look into the residential side of things for the CO2 charge, but it's interesting how we're, we're going in this direction. So I just wanted to jump in there with that info for you guys real quick. All right. So final thoughts here, guys. And Peter and I kept discussing some things, but because of some weather patterns I was experiencing in my area, I had some thunderstorms and stuff, and it was like kicking the internet in, in and out, in and out. So we were having a, a difficult time trying to communicate with each other. But one of the things that I was saying to Peter was, 
I'm hoping that, because I, I don't know if you guys remember when the push was on to get equipment more efficient. And one of the things they did to increase heat transfer was was really make the coils, um, the, the material, like the, the metal, the copper, it was like a thinner gauge, right? To get better heat transfer, I found. And because of that, there was a lot of leaks, a lot of leaks in condensers, a lot of leaks in in evaporators, in my experience, lots of evaporator leaks, right? And you see a ton of these on online when you're looking at different techs jobs around North America, around the globe, in fact. So I'm hoping the push for electrification allows for some good R&D, some good practices, some some real good development of the product so we don't run into these issues, right? That we have to turn around and go back to the manufacturer now. Hey, uh, yeah, it's more efficient, but your coil lasts like a year and a half before it leaks. So I'm hoping we get around some of these things and we don't have this big learning curve when it comes to how we're going to tackle problems or the amount of problems that's going to arise. And then the other thing we were talking about is if you don't understand heat pumps, start learning about them now. If you don't understand them properly, get to know them like the back of your hand. The only thing different from a heat pump and an air conditioning system is that a heat pump has a reversing valve and it changes the direction of flow of refrigerant. And that confuses the hell out of some people. It really, really does. So learn the reversing valve, learn the cycle of the heat pump, and get to know how it operates in the heating mode. Okay, In the cooling mode, I'm sure everybody's pretty good with it. But if you don't understand even the cooling mode, you got some work ahead of you. So really dig your heels in, right? Start to Start to learn the basics of the refrigeration cycle, and then turn towards the the flip side and the reversing valve and that reverse cycle of the refrigeration cycle within the heat pump you really need to know this stuff because if if what we're talking about comes true and gas prices keep rising and the carbon taxes keep coming there's going to be more heat pump systems put into homes okay i'm actually having uh ben from hvac tactical on the podcast in a few weeks because we were talking about some dual fuel systems that in zoning systems and he's going to come on and talk about some of those uh, hopefully in the next month month and a half or so so that'll be a cool conversation as well so anyway guys i hope you enjoyed this podcast um we talked about a bunch of stuff here and i know it was a shorter one but the electrification is coming so let's let's get on it guys so i'm out guys thank you to the master group once again happy hvacking Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.